The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Museum Life with Carol Bossert. Museums are important whether we work in them, for them, or simply love visiting them. Throughout history, people have collected things and put them on display to enjoy. But today's museums offer much more than rooms filled with stuff. They provide places to learn and share experiences with family and friends, as well as sanctuaries to unplug, rest, and refresh. On today's show, we'll discuss how museums can remain relevant and sustainable, reach out to new audiences, and remain attuned to cultural and technological trends. Now, here's your host, Carol Bossert. Good morning. I'm Carol Bossert, and you're listening to Museum Life, and welcome to another great show. Uh, Last week, I was in Raleigh, North Carolina, attending the Association of Science Technology uh, conference there, Uh, also visiting one of my my favorite uh, clients and one of my favorite institutions, the North Carolina Museum of Natural Sciences and the Nature Research Center. And of course, so for the next couple of weeks, we are going to uh, showcase uh, colleagues from that uh, from that uh, conference. And um, as many of my uh, my listeners know, I sometimes really rag on science centers. Now, some of the you know you rag on the things that you love the most, uh, science centers and natural history museums. Uh, because I really I feel that they're so very important, and they need to do they need to be the best that they can be. So I am thrilled today to have an opportunity to share with you uh, uh, to a wonderful program that I heard uh, at Aztec that was entitled "Knowing Your Community to Be More Interesting, Be More Interested," and looking at uh, uh, how. The how-tos of community engagement. Now, we've talked on this program many times about different ways that we that we can engage with our community, ways that we need to be engaging with our our communities. But sometimes we we look at that process more from what we need from them instead of uh, uh, you know, really understanding what their needs are, whether or not they uh, necessarily directly align with, with our missions. So today um, I have uh, with me Bill Booth. Um, many of you from the science uh, community know Bill's name very well. Uh, he started his Science Center career as a volunteer at the Cranbrook Museum of Science in, Mich- uh, in Michigan. Many of us know him because of his exemplary leadership at COSI Toledo, which is now called Imagination Station. And uh, Bill is currently an independent consultant working with museums and community organizations. And I will let Bill co- uh, finish uh, finish giving us his his uh, uh, 
biography. And uh, we also have with us today Kristen Lee. And Kristen is the Deputy Director and Director of Community Engagement at Explora in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, Kristen is a wonderful uh, leader. She is, I think, one of the the, uh, bright spots in uh, future leadership of our field. And she's the kind of person that makes me feel very confident of um, what our future is going to be in the informal learning environment. Uh, she is she attended the Noyce Leadership Institute and she also has been involved in many National Science Foundation funded projects and uh, is also on the informal learning committee of the board of the National Science Education Leadership As- Association. Uh, welcome both of you to the show today. Thank you so much, Carol. Thank you, Carol. Uh, Bill, I'd like to start with you, and as as uh, my listeners know and you know, I always start out the program uh, asking my guests to give just the briefest uh, description of, of their career trajectory, but more importantly, highlighting those experiences that have really shaped and formed their thinking. Um, so, would you uh, like to begin? Sure. Well, thank you for the incredible introduction also, too. I appreciate that. Um, I, I, as you said, I, I, I actually started out my career uh, as an elementary school teacher and decided that's the hardest job in the world and, and wanted to continue to work in education and learning with kids and just fell into the museum world as a, as a volunteer at Cranbrook and fell in love with the power and the impact that the science centers and museums could have both with individuals and in their communities. And then went on to work at the Franklin Institute for a number of years, doing lots of things from exhibits to programs, and ha- then had the incredible opportunity to start a museum from scratch um, in, in Toledo, Ohio, uh, Cosi Toledo. And w- in that process, and it, it took us about four years from kind of the initial concept, me coming on board, to opening the museum, um, you know, I, I had some really wonderful mentors that helped me understand the community better and helped me understand how to, uh, the relevance of the museum to that community. <clears throat> so, you know, while I was out doing most, you know, doing the talks at Rotary and places, talking about the museum and, the, you know, selling the impact that I thought the museum could have, I had a mentor who would take me every week or so into a different community in the Toledo area, and we would just listen to people. Um, so, you know, he'd take me to the Mexican restaurant at the end of the dirt road or to the, to the festival at a church, and we would sit and talk to people. And it helped me, and I wasn't, I wasn't talking about the museum. We were really listening to them. And it helped me, and he kept saying, this is your audience. These are the people that you're going to have to make sure that the museum connects with and is relevant to. And so I think that was transformational in my understanding of the role of the museum, that I wasn't just creating a place that had powerful learning experiences, but I was a play, creating a place also that needed to be relevant to these people's lives. So that's, I think, how that's, that's you know, both how I got into the museum world, but also how I really then connected to this work that I'm doing now of helping uh, museums listen deeply to their communities. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize how similar our um, paths were, Bill. <laughs> I started as an elementary school teacher as well and um, 
gosh, longtime community volunteer, and I volunteered at the Arizona Science Center, which is, you know, how I first started thinking uh, more about science centers and museums. And then I transitioned into the informal education environment to be part of the team to build the new Explora. Um, so similar backgrounds, and, uh, you know, Explora recently celebrated its 10-year anniversary in this current location, and I think in that time, you know, I've learned from amazing leadership here and um, a great team, and we've just thought so hard about um, creating learning environments and how can our exhibits and programs really create deep science-rich learning experiences. Um, But I think in some ways it, it has been very internally focused. You know, we really have been trying to create something special, and I I feel like I was missing a little bit of that passion and energy that I had always derived from um, being part of sort of grassroots community initiatives and um, really listening to people and working with community groups. And so for me, that 10th anniversary was kind of a, a point of... Um, reflection to say, okay, how can we turn the lens outward and really think about um, how we work with the community and um, question our impact and our relevance for the next 10 years. And um, kind of right around that same time, I had two other unique experiences. And and one was becoming a fellow with the Noyce Leadership Institute and crafting a strategic initiative to really look at Explorers community engagement more deeply. And um, also the opportunity to work with a new executive director here at Explora, Joe Hastings. He came on about that same time, and he really shared this passion for listening and working with the community. So all of those things came together kind of just perfectly to um, spark this new work, which has been very energizing. Great, thank you both. Yes, it's interesting to see the see the parallels of uh, yeah. of your of your careers. That's that's uh, and and of course volunteering in a museum. That's certainly how I got started as well. It uh, it it's a it's a it's a common chord. Um, Bill, why don't you could you explain a little bit? Uh, one thing we didn't mention, and I didn't mention in your introduction, is you are also doing some work with the Harwood Institute, and I and since I was at your presentation at Aztec. I know that this has influenced your your current work greatly. So could you just uh, explain a little bit what the Harwood Institute is and uh, you know, your involvement and the approaches, the approaches that uh, they use and you have adopted uh, to working with communities? Sure, yeah. Actually, the group that I, I connected to the, um, I connected the Harwood Institute with uh, the Association of Science Technology Centers uh, Board of Directors, because I was doing strategic planning. I was coordinating the strategic planning for the Aztec Board. And they had identified this issue of, of, of relevance, of moving from nice to necessary in their communities, is kind of how we identified that. And as part of a two-day board retreat, we wanted to bring in somebody who could talk about that uh, uh, from the community perspective of what that means for communities and how science means, how other organizations are looking at that. And so we found Rich Harwood, who is president of this, uh, the Harwood Institute, which has been around for about 25 or 30 years. It's a nonprofit organization in the D.C. area. And for the first part of their, you know, that, that 
trajectory of their work for about 20 years or so, they were really researching how it is that communities change and how organizations can be um, can bring communities together, address pressing issues, and really change how the community works together. Uh, and now what the Institute does is shares that work, um, and it both teaches and coaches uh, people and organizations uh, to be more effective in, in, in creating lasting change within communities. And so I'm, as you said, an independent consultant, but I work, with, uh, I work as a coach with the Harwood Institute, and um, I, um, I work with organizations that want to use these tools and practices, and I really help them explore what it looks like to ask those questions about, you know, are we relevant? What does it be, mean to be more relevant? Do we know the community? Are we engaging with them um, in a way that they see uh, is, makes the museum part of their lives? And as Kristen mentioned, the kind of the key is really a mindset change. It's, it's what we call turning outward. And it is how the organization looks at and treats people it's about how, whether we focus on our internal programs um, or the health of our organization versus are we focusing on the, on the community from a community frame. And too often, you know, we, we do great work as museums, but we tend to do that within the silo of saying our role is really about informal science learning. It's about inspiring learning. It's about um, uh, developing um, uh, uh, science literacy. And while that's critically important, what it sometimes leaves out is the totality of people's lives <clears throat> and fits that within the context of their lives. And so in order to help organizations think about doing that, we first kind of help them think about this mindset of turning outward, uh, putting the community first, and the way that we do that, one of the tools that we use is what we did in this activity at, at the session at Aztec was to ask people about their aspirations. And so we hold uh, community conversations or sometimes even really quick conversations that help, that ask people what their aspirations are for their community or what kind of community would they like to live in. And we find that asking about aspirations is a very different conversation than what we organizations often have in the community where they ask about, either they ask about people's problems or they ask about themselves. So we're often out asking about <clears throat> what do people think of our organization? Do they like our programs? Are they using our programs? And we use those as measures of success. And what we do is get people to flip that and say, just go listen to the community. Find out about those shared aspirations, what people think needs to change in the community to reach those aspirations um, and, and how they talk about those issues. And it changes um, how the organization, well, it changes how people think about the organization because oftentimes that people in the community aren't used to that um, and they appreciate kind of the organization asking those questions, but it also shifts how the organization then uses this information to um, to, to develop programs, to uh, allocate resources, to make decisions, um, to communicate back in the organization. So um, over the last, I guess, 
since that Aztec retreat the last six years, I've been, you know, both consulting with museums, but also at the same time bringing in this work from the Harwood Institute uh, to help museums really connect to their communities in deeper ways. Oh, thank you, Bill. That that was a very good description, and and I can see how that. Uh, just shifting the questions uh, would have a, uh, a significant impact, certainly on the answers, but also on the, uh, the whole tenor of the conversation that I, I'm sure you can't get from uh, marketing surveys or front-end evaluations, which are tools that museums often use in, uh, in their, their quest for learning about their communities. But perhaps those tools are great, but they don't go far enough. Yeah, I think that's exactly the key. They're great. They need, they're important, and we need, to, you know, we need to have the data that we get from demographic surveys from front-end analysis. We, those are important, but they don't fill out the whole picture for people. And it's really fun doing this work because it's not only museums that don't have this information. It's a lot of community organizations. We share this work once we do the listening. We share it with people like school superintendents who just love to hear it because you know, they can't go out and ask the community in this sort of way. When they hold a public meeting, it's usually people coming and complaining to them um, or talking very personally about, you know, what they would like, what the, what's wrong in their school. But when we go out and ask people about aspirations, particularly around education, you know, we don't hear that people say education's failing. They actually say things like, I love my kid's teacher. I just wish I could be more engaged. I wish I knew how to help. I wish I knew how to be part of the school in a way. So wow. Yeah. It, it, um, yeah, it's, it's a key component of understanding community that many organizations and, and community leaders just don't have. Yes. Oh, uh, uh, very much so. Um, we are going to take a short break, and when we come back, uh, Kristen is going to give us uh, then her perspective on how this uh, working with Bill and this approach uh, to community listening is as being played out at Explora. So we will be back uh, in a moment. Remember, you can always reach me uh, on Twitter at uh, MuseWrite, uh, and you can send me an email at carol.bossard at verizon.net. Always interested in hearing from you and who you think uh, we should, I should be talking with and what mu- museum issues we should be uh, discussing on this show. So we will be back in one moment. This is Carol Bossard for Museum Life. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Conservation starts with us. Learn about environmental concerns each week when you tune in to Our Wild World with host Ellie Weiss. Our show centers on Africa each week and what's being done to save our wildlife, ecology, and ourselves. However, we'll also discuss what's going on closer to home. And most importantly, we'll let you know what can be done in our own backyards by featuring guest experts and featuring your questions and answers. Listen every Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Want to help make our world a better place, but not sure where to start? 
Tune into Better Worldians Radio with the creators of the social game on Facebook called A Better World. Join hosts Ray, Mary Sue, and Gregory Hansel, who will inspire you to make a big difference in small ways. They'll speak to experts, authors, volunteers, and everyday people who are changing the world daily. Better Worldians Radio is heard live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Museum Life with Carol Bossert. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to carol.bossert at verizon.net. Now, back to Museum Life. Welcome back. I'm Carol Bossert, and I am here today talking with Bill Booth and Kristen Lee about uh, new new approaches to really working with our communities. So, Kristen, uh <clears throat> Could you tell uh, tell our listeners a little bit more about uh, how you came to work with Bill? Uh, what issues were were you trying to work out at Explora and um, and needing Bill's ad- advice and coaching? And then how did you uh, uh, really adopt that uh, looking outward approach? Yeah, sure. Thank you. Um, yeah, well, I talked a little bit about how. You know, we came to this notion that it was time to really turn the lens and look outward, um, and we needed kind of some tips for how to get started. You know, I recall sitting on some hotel stairs at the Association of Children's Museums conference with Bill, and uh, he challenged me at that time. He said, could you stand up on a table in front of your community and talk about the shared aspirations and what that community really cares about. Um, you know, he tells his own story of going to those restaurants and, you know, talking with people. And, you know, I just picture kind of getting up and, and speaking about these shared issues. And that was terrifying. You know, I knew that, that we couldn't do that at Explorer, that we were really focused on um, what we thought people should be getting out of these science-rich learning experiences. So, um, you know, we were convinced. I was convinced through my work with noise and through conversations with Joe Hastings, and we just needed tools to get started. And Bill and Joe had done listening sessions together in um, Amarillo, Texas, and so we knew about the Harwood Institute materials. And that was a really concrete um, kind of set of materials that I could use to get started. So it sort of gave me the framework and confidence to you know, start setting up the conversations and um, feel like I would at least have a first question to ask when um, I met with these different groups. And so that's really, that's what we did. You know, we, we, Bill and I chatted on the phone. We 
talked with some other Explorer staff. We learned more about how to facilitate and take notes, and I started scheduling conversations, and it wasn't easy at first. You know, people were a little skeptical. Um, you know, why? why? Why did you want to come and listen to us? It was almost like they were kind of waiting for the catch. Um, so I had to be patient and persevere and be very open and honest that we were just trying to learn more, wanted to come listen. Um, I took whoever I could get at first, whoever said yes. But eventually the conversation started rolling. Um, in that first round, we did about 10 different community listening sessions. And, you know, I didn't know what to expect. Um, but it was interesting to see how such seemingly diverse groups of people um, talked about and cared about the same kinds of things. I think that was probably my biggest surprise going in, um, in addition to the fact that they do not mention uh, science literacy and science learning as one of these important, important issues that they care about, and that's an important thing, I think, for those of us who work at science museums and science centers to realize. That, I would think, after uh, doing a couple of those sessions and not hearing those hallowed words, uh, you know, science <laughs> literacy or, you know, museums or cultural literacy or whatever it was, I can imagine that uh, the, the staff that participated and even your participation, you might feel a little deflated. So it sounds to me as if you were uh, very courageous for continuing on. Well, thank you. Um, <laughs> you know, there were there were heartbreaking moments, but um, there were also many, many very hopeful moments because, you know, I throughout all the conversations, I could see so much potential um, for ways in which we could strengthen each other, Explora and these different community groups with whom we were um, speaking and listening. And the things that we did hear, um, and I can tell you a little bit more about those, those were things that resonate. And they weren't all things that Explora, you know, has, you know, a huge role in addressing, but several of the things um, are important issues for us as well. We heard a lot about um, people's desire for a shared identity of some kind in a place, a place to gather and celebrate that identity. We heard about um, the desire for accessibility in all forms, you know, more accessible if Spanish is your first language, more accessible if you, your family is influenced um, by family members on the autism spectrum, accessibility you know, based on income, all kinds of things about accessibility, safety. Um, we heard things about the desire for more well-planned neighborhoods, for walkable neighborhoods, places to gather outdoors. And then um, just so much passion from all these diverse groups of people about the desire for a child-centered community and for more educational opportunities for all ages, really. Um, some of that was for the adults in the family, more educational opportunities and more job opportunities, but then a lot of just passion and heartfelt um, emotion around the need for more early childhood opportunities for our children. And that's, that is a big issue in New Mexico, and we heard it throughout. Interesting. So then, um, so having heard all of this, and uh, how then did you bring that back into your institution and start uh, addressing uh, 
responding to some of these needs? You know, where where did you see your your uh, points of of connection or congruence? Yeah, well, I would say that you know this is ongoing. There's certainly, I don't have a an answer for how we did this, but I have some examples of how we're trying things out um, with partners. And part of it is um, a shift in ownership in some way. You know, ex- Explora, like many museums, has a membership program. Um, we have paid members, and then we, in the past, have given out free memberships, um, <laughs> sort of whether people wanted them or not, you know, <laughs> given out memberships with say, free lunch paperwork or that sort of thing. And we've really shifted that program to be one that works through partner organizations. These partners disseminate memberships to Explora to their clients, the families they work with, um, really on their own terms and um, describing the benefits that they see. And so one example of a group we work with is the Nurse Family Partnership Program. It's a university-based home visiting program Registered nurses um, work very closely with families in Albuquerque's uh, southwest quadrant, a really challenged area. Registered nurses get paired up with first-time moms um, from pregnancy through baby's first year. And we did a listening session with that group, with the moms. It was one of the more heartbreaking listening sessions, but we learned lots about the struggles those moms are facing um, not being able to get childcare without a job, not being able to look for a job without childcare, a lot of issues around uh, safety and poverty. Um, education for them was just paramount. You know, they wanted quality places to send their little ones for early childhood education. And um, we have worked closely with that group. The nurses are passing out memberships to Explora when they go and do their home visits. The nurses have really taken ownership of thinking about how Explora can be meaningful and relevant to these first-time moms. They've switched their monthly moms meetings, which used to meet in this um, portable medical clinic. They've switched those to um, Explora. They hold them in our facility. They um, have started celebrating the baby's first birthday parties, you know, in the bubble room here at Explora. And then they've thought of really important uses for our facility for these moms. And an example that, you know, our staff would never have come up with is encouraging these moms to come to Explora to study for their GEDs because their little ones can be with our staff in the Nihai Sai, our early childhood area, and leave the moms a little more free to focus on their studies, something that can't happen at home. So that shift of ownership based on what we heard has been, you know, an example. Uh, one other quick one, we listened to one other group of um, immigrant moms working with a nonprofit here in Albuquerque. And again, education was just a passion. You know, many of them had come to this country for the educational opportunities. And so they expressed a lot of frustration, um, not knowing what exactly was open to their children, not um, having enough of a mastery of English that they could navigate the Albuquerque public school system and know all of the opportunities that were offered. And so really working with um, Partnership for Community Action, this group that works with these families, we've co-created this bilingual engineering club that we house at their site, at a local community center. Partnership for Community Action has recruited the families. 
you know, Explorer brought along some local Spanish-speaking engineers who work with us at Sandia National Labs, and then our Spanish-speaking educators join in as well. And it's really a whole community effort to provide these after-school engineering opportunities for families. So those are just examples of, you know, experiments that we're trying with groups um, that, that shift the ownership and really make it be about what the community is aspiring to and not what Explora feels should be happening for the community. Those are, thank you, Kristen. I, I think these are two very good, concrete examples. And I just want to highlight a couple of things that, that you said. Uh, uh, this idea of, of shared ownership, I think that is probably uh, one of the themes that I hear many of the. Uh, 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 Many of the people I have conversations with on the on this show are talking about you know how do you get relevance? Well, you share, uh, you share your your uh, your ownership. I think that may be one of the more challenging aspects of, sure. of this project uh, to to some to some museums. Uh, sort of getting over the that nervousness but uh, and I'm sure you have some insights to give about that as well but before we sort of take that line of questioning yeah. uh, Bill I'd like to bring you back in um, sort of so you then coached Kristen and the Explorer team in, in using this technique uh, how did from your perspective how how did that go Um. Well, I, I think it's interesting the way you, sometimes when we work with organizations, the um, you know they immediately are are able to uh, go out in the community and and get people to do these conversations. With Explora, it took a little longer. I think in part that was because Explora has had such a real strong identity of kind of what their role is in the community. And I think what you're hearing is Kristen shifting that role a little bit. And, and, and rather than coming to the community and saying these are important things um, around science learning and science education, which they are, um, but they're, but they're uh, the explorers opening up and saying, we want to explore how that fits into your life, into the rhythms of your life, into the context of this community in ways we haven't done before. And so that was, I think, new to the community and took a little while of listening. Um, I think the other thing that you hear in her stories uh, is, again, sometimes museums make the mistake of replicating programs from one community to another. And some, I think, in order to really be an integral part of the community, that we both we need to look at best practices, but we need to also innovate around creating experiences, programs, initiatives that are specific to that community and help build the capacity of that community to sustain the, the change in the programs that we've initiated. And I think you heard that in, in Kristen's story, both about transferring ownership, so it's not about the museum running it, as much as it is about the ownership of the community taking ownership and running with it. So they're creating new leaders there in the, in the mom's community among engineers. Um, they are, um, they're fitting within those communities rather than, you know, saying, here's what we're going to do to you. It's, it's here's what we're going to be doing with you. And, and I think there's another 
piece there that I heard that I really love, which is when often when we work with organizations, we, we ask them to explore the difference between doing outreach and engagement. And at first, people think, oh, we all do engagement. And then as they think more deeply about it, they start to think about engagement as, well, it's a two-way street. And then, you know, as they go deeper into that, they realize that, you know, they talk about things like co-creating programs. And after a while, I think they get to where Kristen is and where Explora is, which is where engagement really truly impacts the organization as much as it does the community. And I've got a couple organizations I'm working with that actually have metrics around engagement, meaning around whether the organization changes and not just around whether they have an impact in the community they're working with. And you can start to see how Explora is really changing how it thinks about its role, doing things like the GED program for moms they never would have thought about having that program before and being that resource. And so they're changing, I think, as much as the, as the community is, or, and along with the mm-hmm. community changing. That's... Uh- that is, uh, those are all very good points, Bill, and I'm and I'm glad you you highlighted those. Uh, you also talk a, a little bit. Uh, I know you did in the um, the program about public knowledge versus expert knowledge. Can you explain what the what you mean by those two terms? Yeah. So the so the key in terms of of um, of doing this work within the community is getting to know the community. And and we do that through these community conversations that Kristen talked about. And what comes from that is what we, we've, we call that information, the public knowledge. That's the, you know, the shared aspirations in the community. It's, it's who are the leaders in the community. It's how they talk about the, the connections between different issues. It also includes the narrative that the community tells itself. Um, and both in terms of kind of how things work in this community or what's important in this community. That's a very different set of information or data than we often work with. Um, we often work with um, things that, that are demographics and market research and audience studies, which are all very important, but they don't quite get at the reality of people's lives the way this, this public information does. So, what we say we coach organizations to do is is collect that public knowledge, really make sense of it, figure out what it means, which is the question you asked, Kristen, is kind of what is now you brought it in, what do you do with that? Mm-hmm. You combine it with the expert knowledge, so the demographics, you know, the, the you know, what's the what's the population of Spanish speakers, you know, in Albuquerque, what's the um, you know, how many kids are there? Um, you know, what's the population of early childhood? What's the, what, you know, what do we know, what do we know about early childhood and the learning that happens there in the schools? So you, you have to pull all that in. And then, and this is the hard part, then you have to figure out what's the museum's role in that? Because the museum can't do everything. We can't be all things to all people. And if we, you know, Explorer really has heard that there, people are looking for a sense of identity and community and, and being a greater support for the young children in their community. If Explorer's going to work on those issues, it means they have to not work on some others. Um, 
and they have to allocate their resources in that area. So the really tough questions are, you know, what is the museum's role? How are you going to make those tough decisions and choices to really move the needle on those two or three issues that, that you heard um, that, that are important to the community? But the upside of that is when you do that, because those, that's what you heard in the community, you get real resonance. People realize that this organization is authentic and has real authority and is an organization that is worth supporting and being part of. Great. Thank you, Bill. Uh, all <laughs> very important points. We are going to take our second break now, and when we come back, I'm going to put Kristen on the spot a little bit and ask her how that's really working at Explora. So uh, so stay tuned you know, for the tell-all, and uh, we will be back in a minute. You're listening to Museum Life. I'm Carol Bossert. Uh, stay listening. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it will be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private, personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for you with Arvind Vora weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Tired of lackluster results with your marketing? Craving more leads in your business? Tune into the Mojo Marketing Edge with the team behind Mojo Global Marketing, Ira Rosen and Corey Michael Sanchez. Winners of the Marketer of the Year, they will show you how to generate daily leads, build databases of raving fans, and close deals faster than ever before. See what's hot right now and how you can tap into it to generate an endless supply of customers and clients. The Mojo Marketing Edge can be heard every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned into Museum Life with Carol Bossert. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to carol.bossert at verizon.net. Now, back to Museum Life. Welcome back. 
Welcome back. I'm Carol Bossert, and I'm here today with Bill Booth and Kristen Lee, and we are talking about some real concrete ways of making true uh, true engagement, having real authentic conversations with our communities uh, between the museum and their community, and then how we can act upon that knowledge. And so, Kristen, as I, as I promised, uh, you know, before, before the break, uh, all of this is fine and good, and, and uh, you know, I understand Bill is a consultant, and he's excellent, and, you know, but then the consultant goes away, and uh, you're, you know, you're faced with, uh, with the, you know, really implementing these things and, and things like uh, co-production, you know, true authentic conversation and, and um, shared identity sound good in principle, but how is that really working for you in practice? Yeah, it's, you know, it's tough there. Um, I think I'll speak a little bit about sort of the daily grind, right? How does, how does this... Um, influence daily life at Explora, and then also a little bit about how it um, affects, you know, a long-term vision. But, you know, Explora staff, um, our staff is made up of wonderful people. They have always cared about the community. Community has been a core value um, since Explora opened this building, you know, over 10 years ago now. Um, And it's a group that just really strives hard to, you know, do its best for people. And so it's a shift in institutional culture from people who are very, very used to thinking about serving community and doing for to a group that thinks about working with. And it sounds subtle, and it it can be subtle, but it's a very powerful distinction, and it's a hard habit to break. Um, I'll give a quick example. You know, we have a group of educators who are very interested and very passionate in um, being more accessible to families with children on the autism spectrum. And, you know, their habits are to research materials, look at what other museums are doing, and create a product, you know, and show it to museum leadership and say, I think we should do this for our families who are dealing with autism. And so the challenge is to say, well, wait a minute, because we did a listening session with the New Mexico Autism Society, and maybe we should just call them back and say, you know, we we talked generally about um, your aspirations for the community, challenges that you all are dealing with, but let's talk again and let's think about what could Explora and New Mexico Autism Society try together that might make a difference, that might move the needle. And so, you know, reminding our staff every day that um, we should ask and we should listen and um, we should transfer that ownership and sort of expertise and then, and then make some decisions about what our role can be. Um, you know, that's a little kind of tugboat pushing, pushing the institutional culture along. Um, and we're, we're working hard at that. We've also... Um, tried to develop a, a culture of leaning in to the yes. You know, do people want to use our space? Let's say yes more often. You know, let's open our doors and let our neighborhood association hold its meetings here at Explora. You know, so there's little ways like that that we're trying to incorporate that change in mindset into the institutional culture at Explora. Um, and then there's this, you know, 
long-term opportunity um, at Explora. We have this amazing um, opportunity. We have this land that we own across the street from Explora, about four and a half acres of land. And we've had it for for years now. And um, at various times, beautiful visions are crafted for what that land should be and should do uh, for the community. And now this work has really um, made it very clear that that is an opportunity to challenge ourselves to work very systemically with local partners to address shared aspirations and really make a difference in a community condition. And so, uh, you know, instead of just dreaming from up here, you know, upstairs at Explorer in the office, um, we're thinking about, wow, could we enhance our early childhood programming? Could we, you know, expand our children's museum side while also um, housing you know, our local early childhood center that serves families experiencing homelessness while also um, expanding our work with the local community college um, that provides the associate degree in early childhood education. You know, would they move on site and would they do all their practicums there in these spaces? You know, would we house advocacy groups that are working to make a difference in funding and up at the legislature talking about how we can help New Mexico's young children? And so that change in mindset is, um, you know, something we work on every day, and we just need to keep plugging away to see how we can really make a difference in our culture. Oh, thank you, Kristen. Thank you for your candor. I, I, I am sure many of, of uh, the people listening to this program were having the same questions. Yeah, yeah, that might work for the, you know, <laughs> might work in New Mexico, but, you know, it's not going to work for us. Uh, but I, I do, what I, what I hear underlying uh, what you're saying is that all institutions want, need to be uh, pursuing sustainability. They have to create uh, models that will allow them to uh, be financially sustainable. That's part of their, their role, uh, as well as be flexible with uh, changes to uh, the community and to the environment. Mm-hmm. And by shifting this mindset, uh, as challenging as it is, uh, it, it is inherently putting the museum, this Science Center in a much more solid position to be nimble mm-hmm. uh, and sustainable. So I, I really appreciate that, uh, Bill. I was I wanted to get uh, have you uh, have a chance to get back in here. You know, so we've talked a little bit mm-hmm. more about you know it only starts with listening. Uh, ha- what have been your ob- <clears throat> excuse me? Ha- what have been your observations with some of the other institutions you've been working with about how they have been able to move from listening to action? Yeah, maybe let me tell you maybe a couple stories that help centers helps uh, see how some organizations have used this. We um, there was a group in uh, a science museum in Amarillo that was uh, doing this work, and they. They did the listening, and it, it, um, they struggled with what they heard at first because what they heard is that the community w- really wanted to ha- they wanted to be a greater sense of community. People felt like neighbors weren't connecting to each other anymore. You didn't know your neighbors. And, um, you know, they talked about fences being built between the houses um, and no more sidewalks. And the science museum looked at that information and said, that's not what we do. How do we fit into that? Um, and then I think almost, you know, by mistake, but after they you know, were struggling with, they realized that they 
had a program where they invited um, all of the uh, kids and parents and teachers from one school to come into the science center, family science night. And it's a program that many science museums have. When they were talking to the superintendent and sharing with the superintendent this information, the superintendent jumped on that and said, that's what we need. We need community building like that to happen at all of our schools. And so the museum was still focusing on doing science learning at these family science nights, but they were really the focus within the school district and throughout the community was building a sense of community one neighborhood at a time around the school buildings. Um, so in terms of sustainability, it went from, I think the museum was giving this program away for free at first, to the district saying, you know, this is worth $100,000 a year for, uh, for, from our perspective for you to run these programs at, in each neighborhood. And so the, it's shifting that sense of, you know, what's our, what's our role in the community, thinking narrowly about science learning to more broadly about building a sense of community, helping the community change the narrative around that from we don't know our neighbors to I've got this wonderful kind of sense of community around my local school. Uh, so I think that's an example of, of where it's, you know, it's the hard work of trying to figure out what your role is, but when you can, when you figure it out, uh, it can be, a, it can be a real powerful shift. Very interesting. That's, that is a very, uh, that's a great example of, of how things can turn, turn out. And of course, the, 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 uh, institution is still, as you say, doing science communication. Uh, but they didn't, uh, start with that as their goal. And that opened up more opportunities, uh, for them. In our last, we have a, uh, about four more minutes. And I want to give both of you an opportunity to just what advice would you give museum professionals who are interested in engaging their communities in this manner? I mean, how, how do they get started? I mean, obviously they hire Bill, but after, <laughs> what, what do they do? And, and they call Kristen uh, and have her uh, work with their staffs. But after that, uh, you know, what advice can you really give? Um, uh, Kristen, do you want to take that? Yeah, you know, I think, um, gosh, my biggest advice is just to be humble, <laughs> you know, to really let it go. I'm, you know, if, if um, you're going to have any of the difficulty that I faced in trying to get these conversations started, you know, it, it can be a tough pill to swallow. You can actually realize how um, not top of mind <laughs> your place is for people. And, you know, I mean, I sat through um, community conversations where, you know, people said right right there that, you know, having um, blonde people at Explora made it scary and unwelcoming to go there. I'm sitting there with my the blonde hair on my head, and, you know, I just have to persevere and smile and be warm and say thank you and say I'm listening, and, um, you know, you really got to kind of let it all go, let down the walls of thinking that you have all the right answers and, and be ready to listen before you start this. Otherwise, it's going to be a bumpy road. <laughs> that's, that's very good uh, advice. Bill, do you have something to add? Well, I, I, so I think what I love about the, the Harwood work is, is that it fits within the, the sense of sharing that, that I love so much about the museum world. So you don't have to hire me. You can just go to the, 
through the Harwood website, and right there for free are these tools of, of kind of the questions that you can start using in your community. So I would say start asking people about their aspirations um, and see, and, and we did an activity in the, in the workshop at Aztec where people called up their, uh, somebody they didn't know and asked the questions. And I think people realize that it's a lot easier than you think. And sometimes the barrier is we're worried that if we ask somebody about what they want, we now are in a response, we have a responsibility to deliver that. But we find when we ask about their aspirations, it creates an ongoing conversation and does not put you in a situation where you, you have to deliver that. So I would say go out and start asking people those three easy questions about what kind of community do you want to live in? Um, and then, you know, how's that different and what needs to change and find that uh, it creates a different dialogue um, that's, and then that's, a different relationship with that community. Thank you. That that's And that is where we are going to end today. Uh, Bill, Kristen, thank you so much for being on the show. And we will be back next week uh, with another edition of Museum Life. This is Carol Bossert. Thanks for thank listening. Thank you, Carol. Thanks, Carol. Thank you for tuning in this week to Museum Life. Please join your host, Carol Bossert, again next Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. What museum issue is on your mind? Tell Carol at carol.bossert at verizon.net.